Welcome back to the Dick and the Greats podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Shaw. My guest today is Derek Hodge. He's a bass player, a ranger, conductor. He's worked with a ton of huge artists at the highest level possible. I recently posted a video on Digging the Greats breaking down Common's album B. Derek played that bass intro on the album and arranged the strings you hear. Other artists he's worked with, Robert Glasper, Jill Scott, Most Def, the Juneteenth celebration at the Hollywood Bowl, the Oscars, Q-Tip, the list goes on and on. We talk about his work with all of these artists, his approach to music in general, and his most recent album, The Color of Noise, and his current tour. We first connected a few years ago because he did arrangements for the orchestral performance of Nas's Illmatic, playing bass on the original performance at the Kennedy Center. As a current member of Nas's band, this is a show I've played many times since, so I sent Derek a message a few years ago the first time I played it, and now here we are nerding out about music and the bass. This was such a great conversation. I got links in the description to Derek online. Go follow him. For now, let's jump into my conversation with Derek Hodge. So with with B, uh, that is now like you know, one of the most famous uh, hip hop bass lines ever. Uh, and that's you on upright bass. So uh, can you tell me how that came about? Um, what that was like? And then, you know, what it feels like knowing that you're part of that history? Man, B was such a special. Uh, that was that was such a unique time for me, man. Um, and even where we recorded it, man, in the legendary Columbia Sony spot up in New York. Yeah. Uh, there was so much great music and fertile things happening at that time in the city. And it was the thing about moments at that studio, it was always about just capturing something honest, you know, in the moment, yeah. not, you know, showing up like being too like, OK, let me be this version of myself that I think everybody wants. You know, it always felt like yeah. when doing sessions in New York, like, let me just be free, be me, document any moment in the day. And yeah. B, what made that so cool is my brother Common and love to Kanye, man. Like they were, they were so understanding of that and open to that. You know, what people don't know yeah. about B is like there was a whole string section in the room. <laughs> oh, really? As I was recording that, you know, and oh, it wasn't wow. originally going to be what it ended up being. Like I was showing, I had this whole string thing written out. And I'm because I couldn't see the string players, you know, I'm kind of mimicking the phrases so that they could kind yeah. of feel it instead of having to worry about the pulse of the metronome too much. Yeah. And as I'm playing the notes and talking, you know, uh, Common and Kanye, he's like, yo, what about that? You know what I mean? So I just literally just started playing free, just the vibe of what I'd already kind of written out as an intro. Yeah. And then that before you get into the main line. Yeah. And then that yeah. ended up being it. And then we ended up using the strings for the main part later. Da, 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 da. But then the yeah. first part ended up being just just what it is. And at the moment, you don't always all the way get to understand context. Like, hey, this is going to yeah. be the opening of the album, you know, and then this is going to be a thing that kind of ends up being a moment, you know, for your career yeah. in the moment. I was just literally, as they say, B, I was being in the moment and being free. And that yeah. album in particular is so special because – Everything about that process was about honesty and I much love to my bro Common and Kanye for just trusting that. Like I didn't know they were gonna yeah. let that out me start the album like that, you know, especially yeah. since it was a big album for Common, you know, and they were investing in it. So the fact that they were willing to let that speak that way, I think about them both in that way to this day. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So uh 
because I know that's that's pulled from a, a sample, um, but that's that's that is live strings on there. That, that yes. you yep. you did that arrangement. Gotcha. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. And that was the thing. That. It was like the, the the cool thing, and I got to tell him this personally uh, the other day. That time in my you know, life, I say B it was important because it was like so many different things happening. I was doing a lot of playing and that idiom that we call jazz, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, and Christian McBride was a big influence on me and the great yeah. Ron Carter. And yeah. I think that informed my decision-making. I got to tell Christian McBride, like, my mic placement, my choices, and all yeah. that, and the way I wanted, like, I was trying to mimic that clarity that he got on, uh, what was that album called? Uh, Finger Paintings that he did with Nicholas Payton. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, like, so they informed my, in my pacing, you know, I thought about Ron Carter because I I had been working on, I was producing with Q-Tip leading up to that yes. record. So, uh, and you know, Tip sample Ron a lot. So I've, I've been really respecting like the sound of his samples on record. So yeah. the pacing to which I decided to do that intro, that was really trying to honor all of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's, yeah, that's man. so cool. Um, so something that I love about you and your career uh, is, I mean, there's there's bass players, like there's upright bass players and there's electric bass players. And uh, there are some people that do both. And, mm -hmm. But then if you do both, there's a lot of different ways you can go with that. Like there's there's jazz, there's orchestral stuff. And you are like right in the Venn diagram, right in the middle of so many different things. Because like uh, you, you grew up playing classical, yeah? Uh, jazz, classical, and, and gospel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like, you have, and with your arrangement stuff and your conducting, like, you have those those chops from that world, but then you also right. have the sensibility and understanding from, like, hip-hop, which is mm -hmm. uh, very different as far as, like, you know, in the classical world, it's very sheet music uh, yes. driven, which I, I want to talk to you about that specifically with um, the Illmatic arrangements that you've done. Mm -hmm. um, but that's very sheet music driven. And then the the like hip hop, especially jazz is much freer, but then hip hop especially gets away from, you know, sheet music kind of stuff. But you bridge all of those genres and more like so well. So uh, like, do you do you find that like all of those different influences uh, influence each other in your in your playing or your arranging um, or your production stuff. Like you were saying with trying to bring some of that like Ron Carter or Christian McBride stuff into the B sessions. Like, yeah. do you find and that's and that's hip hop stuff. Do mm -hmm. you find that, you know, you're pulling from orchestral knowledge or, uh, you know, jazz knowledge over here for an unrelated project like how do you how do you see those things kind of weaving yeah, together man i'm glad you asked that you know i think for me i i try to be water you know in any situation yeah. um and the the biggest opportunity i'll say not challenge but opportunity has been in each situation do well do i choose to honor and see that as an opportunity to yeah. just trust the moment because for me um, to answer that, really, it I have to say my break, my upbringing. It's always been I've I've had a life of extremes while doing one thing. It was always a, something else I was doing while I'm on tour as a teenager. You know, 
doing yeah. the Jill Scott's and Florida Musics and all that, Anthony Hamilton, all that back then. No one saw me as a composer, but I just loved that sound. So I fed that hunger and that curiosity. So instead of yeah. waiting for the opportunity to come on the road, I would just score and write and yeah. do, do those things. And oftentimes what I was writing contrasted what I was performing yeah. at the time, but I started to really just enjoy that contrast. Yeah. Um, and that became part of my creative voice, like all those contrasting things. I see that as just something that that's a tool set. And the biggest thing is trusting and being willing to all the way let go. And people say that often, mm -hmm. but for me, it's been about trusting that opportunity. Okay. I've been transcribing Schindler's list and working, working on these families and really getting that skill set of really knowing the family of instruments and how they work and how they can work against each other and how can, how can they complement each other? Yeah. Trusting that and a, being willing to let that all the way go and not try to show that off when it's time yeah. to write for the world is yours. Do I just yeah. trust that the moment and the spirit of what's information I'm getting is going to like guide me where I need to go? You know, so I start yeah. off with prayer and for example, and then that's what oftentimes helps the music that I'm doing, whether it's orchestrating or a cinematic or anything to, to feel really honest and unique to what that is. Because yeah. at that time, when I started even working with, like, for example, Illmatic, to be specific, that was, yeah. uh, you know, eight years ago, probably eight, nine years at this point when I started working on that. And I had a decision to make. Do I try to prove a point? Hey, I'm an Afri young African-American man showing up, young composer, and, you know, oftentimes, do I need to prove a point that I belong? Yeah. Do I try to show that in the music? That's not serving the music. <laughs> yeah, that's totally. not serving the music. So what I chose, for example, was to let all that go, let all that study go and say, let me trust the word. So I just went and just listened to Illmatic over and over again and talk with my bro, Pete Rock, and just yeah. started getting the spirit of what happened, what happened with the decision making of those samples, why those samples were chopped up the way they did. And that yeah. ended up being the real spirit of how to, that music happened. And the chops of actually knowing how to write for orchestra that helped me get that story out. So yeah. really it's being willing to, it's become for me to this day, being willing to let it all go and just trust if I honor the story that those tool sets will like allow me to speak what I feel is honest. And that's been the biggest challenge, especially, you know, now I'm getting to write for, you know, 80, 85 piece orchestras and all that. And, do I still trust that when I know we have all that in our arsenal and we're in front of all these people? Do I still trust? Oh, no, but this story is only telling me maybe heart and a bunch of Debussy mm. strings. Do I trust yeah. that? You yeah. know, uh, so that thing of being water and just taking all that in and trusting the contrast of what I am and the question mark of all these things, really trying to define what is Derek. Like, that's part of who I am to this day, which connected color of noise, which is a question mark of what is it that I do? <laughs> yes, that does, yeah. I, I connected all that to the orchestrator side of myself, to the producer, yeah. to the basses, all of that, to the father, yeah. you know, living a family life in Denver. You know what I mean? All of that. Yeah. It's all connected. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love, uh, and I want to, I want to talk about color and noise too in a second. Uh, I love how diverse your influences are and and you kind of like synthesize them all together um because yeah I, as i've mentioned to you 
uh, I have played your Illmatic arrangements. Um, man, I, mean, I was point, so honored when, when you when I got that message. I was like, oh, thank you, dude. Yeah, man. Thank you. Um, yeah, and I know you're on. Like you did that uh, original performance with the Kennedy Center, and there's there's yeah. a recording of that. So like mm-hmm. I on my end listened to those because I got the call yeah. for that. Uh, I, it was maybe like a week or two before. Um, and that was, that was my, my very first introduction is because they needed, um, someone who could fill in uh, and play electric and play upright and and could read, um, but then like has other sensibilities. So, um, diving into your arrangements and then they sent me sheet music and everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was like, I'm able to see exactly what you're talking about. Like. Uh, trying to serve the music and see what's there but i can also see on the orchestral side of me i can see everything that you're doing and like oh wow this part and like you're saying this sample is expanded out to this this string line over here this is so cool um Mm -hmm. so being able to uh play through your arrangements uh mm-hmm. has been amazing like the work you've done on that and then obviously you've done so many other things but that's my direct uh stuff that i've played of yours that has been uh it's so cool and some of the interludes and stuff that are in there um oh, it just like elevates the whole thing and already like it's an incredible album but then hearing it expanded out in that context um is is so so cool um, thank you man it, it means a lot that you're ex- expressing that because honestly everything i was saying that's still in my mind and my intent but you never know you know as an artist is that spirit and that intent connecting you know so yeah. for you to say that without me talking to you about it for you to say it connected in that way and you kind of felt the intent behind it that that means a lot man yeah well really yeah man i mean absolutely like it's incredible incredible stuff and that's a a challenging like we've performed that now probably like six or eight times something like that with with various orchestras um and it's not not the easiest to execute with orchestras. no it is a it is a very unique challenge because of uh in the band the band being bass drums dj keys and Mm nas yeah uh, I would be the only one reading and then right. the orchestra doesn't know the music. Like they don't know, you know, if, if, if he comes in uh, a bar early or something yeah. or, or, you know, not a bar, he wouldn't do that. But if, if the arrangement gets off slightly, they're going to want to stay on whatever the, the music says. Yeah. So bridging that gap is a, 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 a fun challenge definitely yeah um, and, and you know that that's been fun too like really trying to honor both worlds like in the end i had a decision to make early like i like i said you know do i let that fuel me kind of the energy that i'm receiving uh yeah. like hey what are you doing oh you did this oh okay <laughs> yeah do i yeah. let that fuel me in a way where i feel like i need to prove a point or i'm disappointed you know or do I see that as an opportunity? How is this going yeah. to help others, you know, come along the way? And how do we become allies in conversation with this? And that's happened with so many symphonies, thankfully, you know, around the country yeah. and around the world, you know, at this point. Yeah. What I try to do with that same thing, knowing how they think, I try to write things in a way, but also, also honor the way 
that's the best process for like Nas and a lot of different artists. Like, no, I'm going to write in these players. They see the lyrics. They yeah. see if they often they oftentimes see all the like the key starts. If, if the artist is off, they can, they should hear it and see it. Yeah, yeah. And that's my way of also honoring even like that way of just, you know, playing by ear, understanding things that aren't written, where it's an actual true collaboration, where yeah. they're almost forced to have to respect that way. Now, oftentimes, you know, for what I've heard, they may not necessarily <laughs> honor that, you know, and still just play on like I, like I didn't write in there. No, only yes. start when you hear him saying this. But right, right, right. the intent in the score was to honor, honestly, both traditions, you know, even by yeah. ear, by the spirit of it. Yeah. And that, that kind of mimic honoring the artist that decided to sample that record in the first place that made it so yes. relevant to orchestras. So it's been fun really trying to figure out a way, how do I honor both sides in the score? Not just by making it sound cool and all this stuff like, how do I word things in a way? How do I use diction yeah. sometimes? Not That's not just, you know, uh, Italian based. Like, how do I explain things really that's in a real way today? That they have yeah. to kind of understand that no, you have to be open minded approaching this. You know, yeah. think yeah. raw, basis play. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. The ball, but you're representing the gutter here. Like I'll write that yeah. stuff in yeah, the chart, yeah. and it's been great over time. Uh, hearing orchestras honor that intent more and more. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I know yeah. you've done. Uh, like Hollywood Bowl arrangements uh, with Snoop, with her, uh, Christina Aguilera. Uh, mm -hmm. You just did. It was last year, right? The the Juneteenth celebration, and you connected. Man, that was incredible, man. Yeah, tell tell me about yeah. that because I know it was a all black orchestra, which is yeah. uh, not. I don't know if, how if it's completely unheard of, but it's definitely not very common. Yeah. Um, and, and very, very cool. So uh, tell me about that experience. Man, Juneteenth in particular, man, that, that was such a special moment last year, you know, just to be a part of that. Like, listen, I appreciate the love people are shown, but let me put myself aside, man. Like that orchestra that was put together by a young African-American queen, Stephanie Matthews. Yeah. She decided to honor that moment. You know, I didn't realize that that was really the, I was like, no, it can't be. That was really the first time an all African-American orchestra was on that stage. Yeah. Oh, like, on the Hollywood Bowl stage. Yeah. 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 And, and I didn't know, I didn't all the way realize, but the fact that Stephanie Matthews is the contractor for that orchestra, you know, the recollective orchestra, she decided to really honor that and not just get great players. She got players that have been really significant in as African-American players and principal players in different symphonies around the country. She reached out to every principal lead African-American player in the country. And most of them wow. made themselves available for that performance. The first time ever that many principals, African-American players were together on the stage at the same time. And I didn't know all the way until I, you know, I arrived and was in that moment with them and hearing the stories about what that meant to them. Yeah. It hit me like everything that that's happened in my life and career was not by coincidence it's for moments like that where yeah. i can take a step back and just let them be with in the moment that they've been fighting for honestly for way before me yeah so i think yeah. it was it was just a humbling moment for to see them all get the shine that they deserve and millions of people yeah. saw that but yeah. the fact that they were represented you know playing their 
the way they wanted to be represented, playing the music that, you know, represented them and them being collected together for this moment. And I'm taking the time to be a part of that moment. That meant everything. And then, of course, the musical experience itself, it was it was special, man. Working with all these different yeah. artists, yeah. you know, uh, it, it was just a special time. But yeah. I will say, I think that what stands, what sticks with me is remembering once I realized who these actual players are that are playing and what they've done and accomplished, the fact that they made the time to be the part, a part of it, yeah. because they knew the significance of it. It made me just make sure I'm honoring them every step of the way, the best that I can. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Um, yeah. Tell me about your most recent album, uh, color of noise. Uh, mm-hmm. cause this is like such an eclectic mix of so many different, uh, not only like genres and, uh, instrument elements, but also like your career, like we yeah. don't have time to cover everything in your career because it's just like so wide and varied. Um, and this album feels like a distillation of that, of so much of, of your career. Um, so tell me about that recording process, um, what that's been like. And then um, I know you're, you're going on tour, doing a, a winery tour. So I want to hear yeah. about that as well. Man, Color of Noise in particular, that, that, was, that was so special for me, man. We recorded that right and, and put the album out right when COVID was like, Hey, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the whole touring of it, you know, didn't happen at first and all that. But yeah, what I appreciated, you know, that came out that summer and um, how it helped the messages I received from it, man, how it helped so many people just get through that time, through their day. There was something vulnerable, something honest about it that they felt, you know, again, that was not much different than me hearing you say kind of the intent that you felt when playing the Illmatic yeah. stuff. That color of noise, when I started hearing from people what that meant to them and how honest it felt, man, it just encouraged me to keep going that direction. Color of noise was so unique because I wanted to really highlight that spirit of acceptance in album form. Self-love, mm. acceptance, for better or for worse, here I am, and not yeah. just me, everyone else on this journey with me. This is our offering in the moment. We're best serving this moment by being completely vulnerable. This is it. And the musicians didn't all the way know that we're playing it, that that was going to end up being the intent and spirit of it. Like that, that whole album, everything that people are hearing, those are first takes. Uh, The out, the song that ended, uh, you could have stayed the piano version. That was a young gentleman, Jahari Stampley, that my brother, Robert Glasper introduced me to. He said, man, you you might want to hear this young fellow, man. He's so talented. Jahari came to the studio and I showed him this song at piano. He didn't know that the engineer was rolling. He got up behind me and just, you know, kind of played it out. The voice kind of voice led it a little bit, played the chords, simply stated. That was within 10 minutes of meeting him. And I felt like I could not put that on the album and say that this is what this spirit of this record is about and, and not honor that. So that last song, that is 10 minutes within me meeting him, who was, I think he had just, just turned 18 or 19 at that point. Oh, wow. So the spirit of that, connecting him with Mike Auberg and Mike Mitchell and Justin Tyson, two drummers, who didn't even know that they were both going to be playing drums on the same record at the same time yeah. until they arrived. All those things, it was by design to just yeah. see, what if I put these amazing artists who I love and I love for, for whatever different reasons, maybe the fearlessness of this one, 
the record-like execution of this one, the understanding of parts and sounds, this one, the innocence, the forward direction of this one. What if we put them all together? They all yeah. represent sides of me. And then I represent that spirit of that person who decided to trust that thing in me. Yeah. The, per the person who decided to put me on and just say, hey, Derek can do it. That person for me was Kevin yeah. Arthur when I was a teenager. He put mm -hmm. me on my first tour when they were like, well, who is this dude? He believed yeah, in me yeah. when I didn't all the way believe, you know? So it was a way of honoring a lot of the spirit of that and acceptance and self-love and then saying, okay, let's get together. Here's the theme. Here's the idea. This is how I think we can kind of make everything sing and dance. Let's see what happens. And yeah. Color of Noise is completely that. And everyone owned that moment in that way. But you never know how it's going to touch people when the yeah. album comes out. So the fact that Color of Noise, like Message of Hope, you know, that I did on my voice memo and just played different instruments, those were the moments that were so most vulnerable for me. And those are the moments that people speak to the most. Like, hey, that helped me get through my day. That helped me believe that helped me not want to hurt myself that you know that that's yeah, yeah. i love noise in particular that's was the beginning of a direction where i said let me just make sure everything i'm doing is kind of serving that kind of spirit of self-love yeah. acceptance you know what i mean and just allowing it to be and even though orchestration on the surface seems like a very through compose through compose what it is it is idiom I still try to honor that in a way, even if it's in how I explain to people how to play, a yeah. ways to help them open up and think, hey, I would love to hear your spirit in this, even yeah. as an orchestral section. And that's what's yeah. helping the music sound a little more with intent and purpose, you know? Yeah, well, I think that's, that's uh, you know, a combination. That's something that, that you uniquely can do because that's a combination of the – uh, improvisational stuff that you do, which is exactly what you're saying, but then combined with uh, string stuff, like if you're going to have a string section, you got to write stuff out, but you're yeah. within that giving them some of that uh, space to be themselves and to uh, interpret some stuff a little bit. Um, Absolutely. Because yeah. it's possible. Like that's the thing people don't limit in what we call improvisation. Oftentimes I think, and, and I hear, I hate using the genres and naming categories, but instrumentalists yeah. also, you know, oftentimes we think, sure. Yeah. Sometimes we even speak of improvisation. It's limited. It's in a way of how someone plays their instrument or horn or in drums or string instrument through chord changes and how we improvise. There's so many other ways of improvisation. Improvisation yeah. is get, taking any given thing and going with it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Im improvising with that given amount of material and then see wh where you go with that. And honestly, they can do, there is moments we can do that even in through composed music. If, yeah. Even if it takes, okay, learning the names of the principals playing each section and writing their name in the chart and say, Hey, mm -hmm. open up here, play yeah. off the chart. And then they yeah. do it. But, that's a unique way of having orchestral members be a part of that collaborative in the moment, yeah. spontaneous improvisation way, you know, or allowing yeah. sections in from modern moments, them able to dictate how they'd like to go dynamically, even yeah. with dynamics. That's a way, that's a form of improvisation, yeah. like not, not limiting it to, okay, improvisation is just taking notes and just playing fast and playing all kinds of things over. There are so many ways. How do we treat the note? The yeah. timing of it, 
the pace. Yeah. How do we choose to honor even what's written on the paper? After hearing it, Derek wrote down, I want to represent the gutter. Okay. That's giving the section leader to remark the parts. Okay, let me tell them. Let me change. This is the Boeing Derek had in mind. Let's change yeah. that to this. Yeah. That's improvisation. Right, Even a exactly. changing of bow markings yeah. to oh, serve yeah. the music. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the fact that orchestral members to this day are emailing me about it saying, hey, I appreciate, you know what I mean? You yeah. doing that, you explaining it in that way. Yeah. And the way they owned it, where I hear them sounding themselves. Like, yeah, that's what collaboration is about. And I, I feel like that's a part of my journey. And, and that relates to Color of Noise, just acceptance, yeah. allowing yeah. people in one way, the the job ends up on me. How do I explain it to them, them in a way that honors the tradition of how they've learned the instrument, but also welcomes them in some way to be a part of this experience that's happening yeah. with the rhythm section in front of them that may, that the way they speak best isn't to theory and paper. Yeah. How do I get them to not diminish that, but instead compliment that? Yeah. Man, I love hearing you talk about this because uh, you treat it with such love and respect and like it's the highest level music that that you're talking about like you're not Thank showing you, up bro. and just just doing it and you don't want you don't want players to just show up and you know a gig's a gig and you're going to get through it and whatever but uh on an artistic level like elevating it and allowing everyone every musician on stage to be part of that um and i can say because i have played your arrangements without you on the stage that that spirit is definitely still present because players come up to me and are like because i'm uh not affiliated with the orchestra they'll come up to me and say you know oh it's, this is so incredible getting getting to play this music like you know i grew up listening to this and then getting to play it like the tuba player who that's that's not i mean i guess uh the roots are the exception but uh, the tuba is not commonly associated with hip-hop it's not often yes <laughs> yeah. but um they, you know saying i grew up listening to this and getting to play some of this with you guys like this is this is incredible um so yeah i, I think that's the uh, a big unique factor in in the music that you make if it's something like color and noise if it's a film score if it's conducting an orchestra if it's arranging or if it's i mean it comes through in your solos too uh thank you man wh thank what do you, you what what's your thought process when you're taking a solo because i mean i've i've watched you solo many times uh mm -hmm. and it feels it's so like genuine from the heart like you're not you, it's it's definitely not like okay here's a solo i gotta i gotta get through it or whatever mm -hmm. uh it feels like if the i'm gonna get like <laughs> i'm gonna get woo woo for a second but it feels <laughs> like if you're if your mouth is connected to your heart and, and the way you speak it's the same thing but your it's your hands and it's even though it's not words like it's more it's a direct path to your heart like even more thank than you. if you explained it with words um, thank you man. so what what goes through your head when, on soloing specifically man I'll, I'll give you the absolute honest truth man each time the one thing i can say for sure by the time i've arrived there I, i'm to a solo, I'm not thinking about it. Oftentimes, you know, when I'm playing, I'm thinking about everything that's going on around me and responding, yeah. you know, and being in a moment in that way. Oftentimes, I just don't, by the time it's time for a solo, I may be reacting 
to the end of a theme I just heard or just the beauty of the people in the audience, maybe the way that energy is speaking to me. And then I just allow it to take me wherever it's going to take me. And each yeah. each time is honestly dependent on the people. And that's that's what makes it truly an experience where every person there in that moment defined what I thought because yeah. I'm responding to that energy, not just the my brothers or sisters or who I'm, who I'm performing with, or not even just the experiences that day, whether it's mine or others around me, me exuding that through the music is never just that. It's it's all of it. The sound, yeah. the way it's coming yeah. back at me through the house and my hearing, you know, the bass a certain type of way that might make me turn the amp almost all the way off and just play and react to that. Mm. That sound yeah. as if I'm just hearing myself in a distant monitor. But what in, informed those decisions, the decision making through that solo changes every night. And, and that depends on each room, each situation, how yeah. I felt any given day, how those around me felt. I just try to trust it. And honestly, that's no different than my writing. Mm. The biggest thing is allowing that moment not to with writing it becomes a little more challenging because it's you're, you're specifically at some point you're, you're you're writing the things out you know and yeah. you have so many immediate things that you're also in the process of doing that no matter how quick you write where ideas start coming especially when things are lining up a certain type of way and you're tempted to either overly prove a point yeah. Because you're writing and you know you you know it's allowing you to because it's right in front of you, or just really just trust that moment and say, you know what, let me let the spirit of this be. Yeah. And in that way, my orchestrating and my playing, whether it's a bass solo or orchestrating, it's very similar. Yeah. The way it's come across, because it's it's coming from the same place of just trying to document moments in time. B mm. was a moment in time, even though the spirit of that was actually, you know, a sample, as you mentioned. But yeah. the process of that and the way that intro happened, that was not even planned in that way. Yeah. The way that happened was just by honoring the moment in time and trying to make sure everybody felt comfortable with the phrasing yeah. of how they're going to play my arrangement based on that sample. And yeah. then that's what led to what people hear now, you know? So, yeah. again, going back to B specifically, that's what makes that album so unique because it's documenting different ways of thought that went into that record and how yeah. that re that song happened was by was just acceptance you know yeah. everybody just trusted okay this is enough and yeah. i didn't even expect that to be the opening of the record you know so that actually fueled me to this you know to this day anything my brother common needs you know i'm there you know i, I respect that the way they chose to honor what i had to say as an instrumentalist yeah. At that time, it had a profound effect on me. It even affected the way I choose to really think responsible, responsibly with decisions that I make. Like, for example, uh, One Love Represent uh, yeah. that you did with, you know, Nas in there. I want I try to there's little moments where I try to document my journey in the middle mm -hmm. of Nas One Love Represent. If people listen closely, I'm actually referencing some black star most stuff. I forgot what the name of the song is, but I hit at some of that in the middle of it, a little piece of it because I'm yeah, honored. Yeah, yeah. I believe my first orchestral arrangement for hip hop was with most Def at Carnegie hall. Yes. That's what yeah. led to that Kennedy center event and all that. So it was, yeah. a, it's a way that it was like, okay, if these opportunities are happening, how do I honor them in my That's story? amazing. 
Yeah, yeah. that's a, I gotta, I gotta dig through now. That's, that's amazing. I gotta find it. it uh, yeah, that's, it's crazy. that's another amazing album. right now in the name of the song, yeah. but yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And it feels like before, because uh, you did be before, uh, most deaf Carnegie hall. Is that correct? Timeline wise? Let me see. Most deaf Carnegie hall. B, let me see. I know B is 2005. B, two, B is 2000. So that, that was in that same time frame, definitely. I can't remember okay. when. It has to be post-2005 because that Chris Day was playing and we yeah. all kind of met and started playing and doing experiment stuff around that time. So yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, with with that B, uh, it, it's that sample, but then it's like uh, you're kind of like de-arranging it. Yeah, uh, and and picking it apart because yep. it starts with you on the it starts with you kind of with the bass cadenza, and mm-hmm. then you start with the bass line, which is the bass line from the sample, but yeah. isolated. And then the yeah. piano comes in, and then the strings on top yeah. of that. James Poison. So you're yeah. like, yeah. So you're like rebuilding it up up to mm-hmm. the sample. Um, yeah. So that feels like uh, you getting your feet wet with. And like you're saying, them trusting you to do this, and then that expanding all the way out to this. I mean, this most deaf stuff, Illmatic, and the stuff you're doing now. Um, that's that's an amazing like journey to see that that whole expansion. Man, and bro, like I tell you, like if I, like I said before, I feel like things that have happened has not been caught by coincidence. I love how things and appreciate how it looks on the resume. With all this name droppy stuff, but I'm not about that. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm really not about. Like, I'm thankful for those opportunities, but I feel like it's not by coincidence because I didn't plan for it to happen that way. Things kept happening yeah. in a way where it was like, let me just pay attention to this, be 100 in this moment, and then see what happens. You yeah. know, and then it, it's become, but it's not by coincidence. For example, B James Poyser is on there. That's yeah. the next voice you hear that's actually playing. And he was the person that put me on my first record at 14, mm. you know, before he did all the Lauren Hill and, you know, yeah. D'Angelo stuff. and all, He was putting me on records, you know? Mm. So the fact that he was on that record that means a certain thing to people in a certain type of way. Now, the fact that yeah. he's on it, it's, it's really symbolic. And I feel like it's not by coincidence. So I often try to, to honor them in that way. Like I I made sure a few years later when I recorded my first album, Live Today, to bring James Poyser on. You know, he's on like the first song people hear, the real. I try to do things that's symbolic and really honoring those that have profound influences on me that others may not all the way know about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so cool because it feels like, because I know you started like with with, uh, Jill Scott, Music Soul Child, the mm-hmm. stuff you were mentioning and then and then this uh, common stuff that's that's earlier in your career as well and so you talk about James Poyser it feels like uh, a passing of the torch to you on a lot of that like soulquarian neo soul kind of stuff uh yeah. into what you're doing now but then also you're carrying on the torch of uh jazz stuff like I mean, as far as like John Clayton, Christian McBride, uh, Ron Carter, like oh, these John jazz Clayton, legends. He means everything. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, it's Not amazing. to cut you off, but no, that's no, another no. example. I'm sorry. I've got it. You mentioned please, him. Please. I, I got to say something about him. Yes, please. He's another example of that. 
Like yes. Mulgrew Miller connected me with him, man. I remember when I used to tour with Mulgrew and uh, and Terrell Stanford used to play it sometimes, you know, and Mulgrew used to connect me with other bassists. My first gig with him, man, uh, at the Vanguard, Stanley Clark, you know, and Ron Carter, they all came to the set. And I'm like, yeah. oh, Lord, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But John Clayton, man, he was no – because this this – this idea of how things are possible, it, in certain ways, that it wasn't just orchestration. It was how you can make an orchestra sing in a way that enhances an instrument. Yeah. When Terrell Stafford let me hear John Clayton play Emily mm. way back, you know, it, it opened up my eyes. And this was before. I didn't know. It wasn't a John Clayton I knew. I just knew him as the bassist. And then when I later find out the Super Bowls he did, you know, with the Whitney yeah. Houston, you know. Like people yeah, revere yeah, yeah. that to this day. It's like the most famous Super Bowl loss. So ex- that's for example. So when I did the Super Bowl last year, uh, yeah. that lift every voice, man. I, that was in honor also of John Clayton. That's the choices, that's the harmony, and all that. It was it was in honor of him and those that came before me that told me it's possible because John Clayton started teaching me. Like he was my bass teacher. I would come out to uh, Altadena, I think he lives and. Oh, he would mm. kick my butt, but always encourage me yeah. at the end and say, hey, try it all. Try it all. And this yeah. is before I even knew all the things he did. And I feel like his journey is a part of my journey. So it's not by coincidence that these things happen. Like my album, when I did uh, uh, Doxology, yeah, that was also in honoring you know, the church tradition I came up in, but also John Clayton. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I, I feel like all these people are, are, they're a part of it. They're a part of my journey. Yeah. I, I love yeah. that um, you're carrying the torch from uh, so many different influences, but then also making your, you're carving your own path at the same time. Uh, it, like, you know, uh, Color of Noise, the Juneteenth, Hollywood Bowl, all this kind of stuff that is so unique and unique combinations of things. But at the same time, you're, honoring and respecting and carrying on the your influences at the same time thank you man Um, i'm excited about this next step man i mean with it's all connected man like with the the color of noise tours dates that we're doing you know going through the rest of the summer that it's no different from the orchestrations that i'll be doing through the rest of the year it's it's making sure that any thing i'm doing man you know under my name it's an environment it's a platform for others to speak unapologetically. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited. I feel like, again, these opportunities aren't just to say it happened and to look good and talk about it with family and say yeah. they're proud. No, I got to give, I got to make yeah. sure, you know, others have that opportunity as well. That's going to take this stuff into the 10th power. So I'm yeah. excited for that next step, man, to take some of these opportunities and have other orchestrators part of everything that I'm doing, you know, having some yeah. other conductors be a part you know, not just African-American, African-American, because even doing that, that's limiting the beauty of mm. acceptance and, yeah. you know, self-love and beauty of collaboration. But the fact to have people that are from backgrounds that are not mine to be on that platform performing with me under a Color of Noise platform, whether it's touring live or being part of the Color of Noise orchestra or orchestrating yeah. under that brand. I'm so excited for in all ways things that I do to really mirror that spirit of acceptance and yeah. anybody being a part taking it and running with it yeah that's that's amazing um so yeah tell me about the tour you're you're doing 
tell me about uh, the dates you're hitting. I know it's it's all winery stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, so my color noise tour, we're going to be doing, you know, going from late July, the Blue Note Napa. We're going to do Newport yes. Jazz Festival. But uh, I'm excited. You know, uh, we're going to be touring city wineries: Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Chicago, yeah. St. Louis, um, uh, Nashville, Atlanta. Gonna be having a good time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a film score done somewhere in there because <laughs> I, I got it. We're gonna meet this deadline and hit the studio at some point on the road. But we're gonna get yeah. it done. But I'm so excited about it, man. And it's been fun. You know, Color of Noise came out in uh, 2020, and it's kind of rough not being able to tour it. But the fact that people are still yeah. remembering that music and wanting to go on this journey with us through the summer, I'm excited, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh... I mean, I could go for a long time. Uh, I oh, This has been good, so much man. fun. Um, but, yeah, I want to be uh, appreciative of your time. So if you got anything else you want to cover, anything else you want to say, uh, the the floor is yours. Oh, man. Well, first of all, I'm just, I love this interview. Thank you for giving me a chance to talk about B and yeah, Color Boys and all that. You know, I don't get to say enough to people about how B, what B symbolized during, yeah. at that moment in my career and how it allowed me to encapsulate how I was thinking in terms of that instrument in particular. Yeah. Um, and when I listen back, I hear who all I was trying to honor in that other heavily sampled musicians as well. So I'm so thankful that that song ended up getting the love that it got is it's still humbling. I can't believe it, you know, Yeah, yeah. that, uh, you know, so many people like that baseline. I remember that moment, but if anything, man, it's it's encouraged me to keep going unapologetically with it and yeah. make sure every moment I have that's an unapologetically me happens, mm. you yeah. know? Yeah. That's amazing. Cool. Yeah, um, well, thank you well, so man, much. Man, if, you got, if you got one more thing to talk about, I'm, I'm open if we can end it here either oh, way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, if you, I, the problem is, like, I got uh, – I made, a, like, a summary list of, of stuff – you've worked on stuff you've done. Mm -hmm. Uh, we could do, I mean, yeah, it just depends on how much time you have. Like we could do like a, uh, lightning round. I could just kind of like read down stuff. If, if something, if something comes to mind, uh, a story or something about a project you worked on. That sounds all fun. Right, all right. I all say right, all cool. that being a moment stuff and then yeah. <laughs> you'll put it to the test. All right, Derek, what's that you said about being in a moment? <laughs> Um, yeah, let's do well, it. Yeah, I mean, you've done a bunch of stuff with Common too. Uh, since uh, one of my favorite things is the tiny desk at the White House. Um, that is such a it's uh, a tiny desk is already like a really special thing, but then that performance in particular, it just feels like so intimate. And yeah, uh, if anything comes up for that, what was that like? First of all, I'm um so happy man to be part of that tiny desk because it was the only one that was like in the white house and yeah what i remember about that one was uh <laughs> everything was fine it was love it was festive we were sound checking you know and then play but you don't realize how many security and people are like in there randomly that come out of nowhere yeah. i was like all right cool and I, I laid the bass down and it laid down on that that look that eisenhower chair it was oh, like something yeah. fancy. It's just like another day to me. I'm laying the basic out of nowhere. Whoa, 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 whoa. I was like, 
and I didn't know they were talking about the bass, so I did. I went with it too. Whoa, whoa, what's the problem? <laughs> Who did it? <laughs> you did it, sir. Get your bass off of Eisenhower's chair. <laughs> so that, like, that's funny, man. That was of anything with that moment. It was that, like. <laughs> The recording of it, but no one knowing like 15 minutes before, like Secret Service was having a that's conversation. Hilarious. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. Um, yeah. But love uh, to that man because um, that timing as well. Even though you know I was not part of that, you know, uh, film that Rosh did together with Common and Kareem and all that. Was it the 13th? Uh, I think it's the 13th. It's called or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was such a special time where the content matter was in a way that was elevating African-American voices. But it was, again, which I'm about, like accepting and love and making sure it's not separatism, like and making sure that doesn't yeah. come across in the music. When I think yeah. about it and hear Common's words and the way everybody played, that tiny desk in particular, man, it just felt you knew it was a part of something that wasn't going to happen again in that way with us all. You yeah. Know. I, yeah, I love that in particular because, I mean, the, the Common's more recent stuff too, it's like, it's very much like jazz and poetry kind of. Yeah, um, it is. And, and that, that performance in particular feels so much like you guys get to do as the band what you do really well. And then he does what he does so well on top of that with his words but you guys are doing the uh, bringing the same energy just in different forms either words absolutely or and that was a cool launching pad for that you know because prior to that you know a lot of things was free in a similar way but it was specific album song content based yeah. base. but there was something about the freedom of that and the cadence of everything that just allowed for speaking that way and it's great to see how he's been exploring in that way since yeah you know? yeah um let's see uh you mentioned this already but q-tip uh renaissance yeah. um uh tell me about your involvement with that because i mean tribe and upright bass is like that's it it's uh upright bass hip-hop heaven uh so much tribe stuff so getting to work with with him on that uh i don't know if it was uh, upright or electric i'm not sure exactly uh but tell me about your involvement with that much love to him man um work working with q-tip man i it was you learn about like the the beauty of really being in the moment and allowing time for your idea to come out because yeah. uh, when I started working with him and producing with him, I was essentially staying, you know, with him. We chill every day. You know, we get up and start working together. You know what I mean? Uh, ideas I had, it was all on a bunch of gear that he had that he had done a lot of those classic records on. Uh, yeah. But it was really, I learned so much about really meaning it, the work ethic part of it, of really diving into it, getting up, putting your time in and really honoring, no, not just finding some sample, but like, no, really thinking about every part of it, the sound yeah. of the drums, not just the sound of it. How did we arrive at that? How was it mm -hmm. not just sampled? How did you mic it going into the sample? How did you, what mic pre's did you run that sample through on, on the, in Sonic after you got that sample? How did it end yeah. up on record the way it sounded? How did yeah. you mesh that stuff together?
And then how did you marry that with this rawness on the sound of the bass? Well, Mike Prees were that. Yeah. Let's really talk through the decision making of all that. Like, yeah. we would spend we would spend days talking about all of that stuff, man. Mm-hmm. So I think Q-Tip, and especially the timing, I started working with him in 2002. There's so much stuff that, you know, never came out. So many things we created, man. But we started that process in 2002 and working together for almost a year and a half, two years. Mm-hmm. But the respect he gave the music, it was no different than at that time. And I'm touring with Mogu Miller and yeah. these other people, you know, it was the same respect that they gave to what they're doing. It it made me want to honor whatever I'm doing in the hip hop idiom from that moment on. Cause I knew I was working with tip before I was working with a lot of other people, you know? Yeah. So that ended up in the back of my mind, whenever an opportunity came to document something, whenever opportunity came to document something to truly like own that moment and know you're representing all sides of your journey. Yeah. That started yeah. with tip, man, without question, hmm. without question, Q tip. That's, that's, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, sure. I know you've, you've worked with Philip Bailey as well. Yeah. So, uh, uh, tell me about that because I mean, uh, no pressure, but Verdine White is big shoes to fill. Um, so what is that like working with uh, an Earth, Wind & Fire legend uh, on on bass? Um, what, what's that like? You know, Philip Bailey, man, I think what got me with him was how I had no time to really allow that to, to mess with how I'm feeling in the moment creatively because he was on percussion right next to me, vibing out, like wanting to jam, yeah. wanting to do all these other things, wanting to explore. And we spent so much time doing that, having conversations, laughing and talking. And then all of a sudden, you know, we worked through the idea and then it was time to record. We just did it. Much love to him. I think, you know, Philip Bailey knows that he knows their legacy. You know, Earth, Wind and Fire yeah. is Earth, Wind and Fire. But yeah. the beauty of it in that situation, I think whether it was intentional or not, the way he was so inviting creative, creatively. We would mm-hmm. air for a session, but we would jam out on all kinds of things, talk about yeah. all kinds of things, eat, you know, share stories, laugh. And then it was like, okay, well, let's get this idea down. And before you yeah. know it, the four or five songs are done. And uh, I think that's the biggest thing that stands out, uh, just the graciousness of Philip Bailey to mm. really just be in that moment and be truly with us where he doesn't, where he's not presenting anything in a way where we feel like we have to chase that. Yeah. And I think that's also the best way to honor the great Verdine, White and yeah. all those people, you know, not try to directly chase it. But when I tell you going into the studio, you think about all those those yeah. legends, you know, because, yeah. I mean, that's leg- that's legacy right there. Yeah, yeah. That's that's amazing. Um, yeah, let me go through some of your recording credits. Uh, and if something pops out, I'll, I'll just list them down, and then you can stop me if if something pops out that you're like, oh, let me say something on that. All I mean, good. there's on, there's uh, there's Robert Glasper you've done extensively, uh, Black Radio, the first one in particular. Like I I had the CD of and like wore that out like crazy. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah any oh, Glasper man, stuff. Yeah. I can't not say something about Black Radio. I mean, yes. First of all, congratulations to you, man. You know, uh, 
got the baby on the way. Black Radio. We recorded that when my baby Josephine was in the belly. You oh, know, wow. and uh that was another one. My Color of Noise album, that was first takes, but but Black Radio, that was that was first takes too. Like mm. I everybody <laughs> we remember about that, you know, that record is like, you know, a daughter in the belly and yeah, everybody just, you know, touching my wife Christian and just letting her be a part of that. That just made us all embrace that moment. Yeah. Black Radio, man, that that first one, man, that was all first takes as well. And it was about acceptance. Mm. And family yeah. environment, man. And I think what I love about how that happened, man, it's such a representative representation of who my brother Robert Glasper is, man. You know, love to Chris, Dave, Casey, Benjamin, all those amazing, incredible beings, man. But the spirit of galvanizing and bringing people together and them being, them feeling free to be themselves in that moment, mm-hmm. especially vocalists and singers who sometimes every element yeah. got to be right for them to be down with trying things yeah. for the first take and we did cherish the day layla started because we were vibing out and i just pointed to her to start mm. and she started singing and that was the take and she thought wow. that was just getting her levels right and that ended up being what ended up the record but yeah. what brings people into that moment to feel that comfortable is a, a, a personality that's like that so yeah. i think about black radio one and my bro robert's spirit man to this day there's no yeah. one like him man he just brings people together that just want to be themselves. Yeah. That's that's fantastic to hear. Yeah, man. Um yeah, we got I mean Lupe, uh Talib, Kareem Riggins, uh Maxwell, uh I know Jill Scott, um Music Soulchild, uh Snoop of the Hollywood Bowl. Um you've done uh, arranging and conducting the Oscars. Uh Super Bowl, uh, I, and and then looking through, like you know, trying to get all my notes together for this, and then googling like your name and Hollywood Bowl. Like, how many times have you done the Hollywood Bowl? Because there's like so Man, many yeah. results with different artists like, popping up. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been. It's been a few now, man. I mean, that's that's my favorite orchestra in the world, man. L.A. Phil. Yeah. That- my goodness. I mean, leave them alone. They are just incredible. <laughs> open-minded, too. And they play with that open-mindedness, too, which was a re- yeah. reflection of them. Like, they're doing all kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, like, so that's that's not by coincidence. Uh, but I, I, I really, I don't take for granted, man, working with them in particular. They've been very gracious. A couple weeks ago, you know, got to work with. I'd work with Jack Black and uh Yeah, I saw we'll this too. Yeah. Thing, but I, yeah. Nintendo was really kind, man. They let me just reimagine it however. You know, yeah. but that's that's been fun working with work working with LA Phil. It's, you know, so many people bring projects to them that's on a certain type of scale. You know things are gonna be executed beautifully. Yeah. So it's been fun, man, especially this summer, you know, working with them on that and with Janet and a few things. Yes. It's it's been fun. Yeah. Super accepting. I think that's the, that's what was so unexpected when I got to, you know, work with them. How no questions whatsoever. And I mean, I mean, I've been blessed in that way with a few orchestras, man, but being the LA Phil, you know, you expect, you know, going through things with a fine tooth comb and just checking it. No, it's, is this what you want to do? Boom, we're doing it. Yeah. No questions. And, and, 
it's been fun because because that lends that lead that lends to true collaboration. And I think the LA Phil that's a good representation of like true collaboration. The NS the yeah. NSL as well in a different type of way, true yeah. collaboration. You know, which is necessary. And then it's on us when we're in these situations to make the most of it so the door can stay open for so many more. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've I've done – we did Il, the Illmatic show with yeah. uh, with them. It was, I think, uh, May of last year yeah. uh, at, at Disney Hall. Um, and I'm oh, sure right. you've, I heard you've worked with – Yeah, I'm sure you've worked with Dudamel. Uh, Love Gustavo. On, on these, yeah. Un believable working with him because everything that you're saying as far as like being open and mm-hmm. uh the acceptance and him inviting it like he's not, not wearing dividing his, the line his shoulders he's no just, no he's like so yes, yes. Yeah. and like how can we make this the best thing possible um yeah. that show was really interesting because the the drummer um, was a different drummer than had done all the other shows. Um, and he okay. played with Nas before, but he had not played the, uh, the orchestra show. So he knew the original recordings, um, okay. but not the, the orchestral arrangements. Um, okay. and the, the, it, it's, it's mostly the same as just, you know, a few interlude things and, and right. a few spots yeah. has got to drop out, but he doesn't read. Um, okay. so that was a very interesting thing. There might've been a couple me. moments. Yeah. Yes. Well, and I'm trying to give him, throw him silent cues, but then also <laughs> Dudamel's looking to me for, right. you know, are, are we in the right spot here? The drummer yeah, yeah, yeah. This, is this? <laughs> but and he's so, very trusting when he's looking at you, he means it. Oh, he's absolutely. trusting. And, and that's so, that's so yeah. amazing about him. Like, yeah, he's not being, he's not looking at you with a, okay, what is this? Guy? It's truly, all yeah. right, whatever. Just let he's got that. Just let me know. Think yeah. about him. I I got to tell you too, like we because we we did a brief rehearsal before the performance, and so there was a few moments where, you know, there, that kind of happened a, a little bit of a disconnect, and we're having to iron out how is this section going to work or whatever, and mm-hmm. then we would figure that out, and he ended up sort of defaulting to me, uh, and then I'm in the middle, uh, like he would turn to me and be like uh strings let's run this part and he's like play this a little more marcato or whatever uh mm-hmm. and then he would turn to me and be like is that is that okay and i'm like i don't know why you're looking at me yeah. and so for me being in the middle of of that with the and LA he Phil, means it he's not just saying you know, it. I, I, totally he, sincerely yeah. yes but selfless yeah yes having like one of the greatest conductors in the world and then i'm also with uh, like one of the best MCs in the world, and then yeah. I'm playing your arrangements. Uh, oh, it, I, I'm like pinching myself, like what is happening right now? <laughs> how how is all of this happening to me right now? This is this is wild. Oh man, um, that's a I'm, I'm glad you got to work with him, man. I know he's moved on from LA. So I think he's with he's, he's going with New to New York. York. New York. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if he's I don't know if he's left yet or not. Okay, but okay. Uh, but yeah, I know he's he's moving on to New York. Yeah. But what what an incredible soul he is, man. Yeah. Incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, man. Woo. Uh man. Uh Eesh, this is fun. Yeah. This is very fun, man. Yeah, Thank man. you for for taking time to to talk. Um, man, absolutely, bro. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what do you got? What do you got coming? I mean, you got that tour coming. Um mm-hmm. 
uh, rest of the year. I know you said you're you're scoring a movie. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that, man. It's there's a couple of film projects, man, in the works right now. But over the next few weeks, we want to finish up this project, man. A lot of people don't know, man. Pepsi, mm. uh, the framework of how we understand marketing and everything in advertisement, and sports, and all these and commercials and the million dollar commercials on Super Bowl, man. Pepsi revolutionized the game all of that man going back to the 40s and 50s so they're doing a special man um where they're really documenting that and how that happened you know okay it's it's really it's really incredible man i'm so excited man for that to come out and it's 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 a special a lot of the people are still alive that were a part of that you know yeah uh because pepsi was one of also one of the first companies that actually had an African-American team and mm. uh, actually valued African-American market and marketed to them yeah. and, you know, got blacklisted and all this stuff. But the model was so successful. It led to opportunities from there. Yeah. That is st- it's still the framework to how things in commercial are to this day and marketing to this day and how mm. music is connected, you know, to this day and why they even still do Pepsi half times. It's right, all connected, right. man. It's really cool. So I'm doing a special on that right now. That's cool. That's cool. Thank and you, especially, bro. I mean, you haven't done the halftime show like Pepsi. That that's a Pepsi thing. So like you're oh, connected man. as part of that that whole story. That's cool, man. It, it's so it's so crazy, man. I was just talking with my my brother Adam Black Summer, who earlier who won the Emmy for that last year, man. For yeah, that whole yeah, Dre and Snoop. It was just like. Going back to my upbringing, man, and that whole acceptance and self-love and just trying and being in the moment, like, I think about my friends I came up to who happen to be bass players from Adam Blackstone to Thaddeus Trebet to Wayne Moore. Yeah. And all these people I grew up with, like, the common thing is, man, we just dreamed. And I want to say there wasn't anyone telling us we can't, but maybe there was, but we just had each other. So we just kept going for it. Yeah. So to this day, I feel like my journey is it, so connected to all of them, man. Like, yeah. well, I feel like there's so much to give, to honor the community, to give back and make sure other people can have the experience that we had. Because so much of that lended itself to things that we're doing now. Because yeah. we felt like it was yeah. possible, but didn't just look at it as a pipe dream. Like, no, let's try it. I don't, who cares when somebody said we can't? Just do it. Yeah, yeah, and we did it, and we had each other to fall back on, and I feel like that self love, acceptance, and the hey, you can do it. I'm not just going to say you can do it. Let me provide a platform for you to do it, an environment yeah. for you to do it. Let's do it together. You know, I feel like that's part of what I need to do. So, all those things tying in the color of noise and projects that I'm doing is it, not by coincidence, man. It's it's honoring my whole life, man, and the experiences me and my friends have had. Yeah, I think that's very evident in all of your work. So, thank you. Congratulations. That's thank that's, you, bro. It's amazing to watch. Thank um, you, man. Derek Hodge. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking time to to share your story with us. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, brother, man. Congrats on your success with this podcast, man. All the best to you. Much love. <laughs> <laughs>